You're listening to Boots to Biz with Army veterans Teresa Huntley and Veronica Tonight. Tactical lessons for today's entrepreneurs. We're out. <laughs> yes. Hi. We did it. We did it, Teresa. Oh my gosh. Wow, what a journey to get here, right? Oh my gosh, our illustrious debut of Boots to Biz. Yes. Hello, hello, everyone. Oh my goodness, we are so excited to be here today. Um, yeah, it has been a fun journey for us for the last couple of years, getting to know each other. And we're like, let's just do this thing. Let's do a podcast and make it happen. So here we are. Yeah, I love it. Um, I want to introduce myself. So my yeah. name is Teresa, Teresa Huntley, and I'm actually from Wisconsin originally, but I reside and live in Middle Tennessee. Um, so I'm coming to you live from Las Casas, Tennessee. We live in a little bit of farm country right outside of Nashville. So how about you, V? Hey, I'm from Louisiana. Can you tell? <laughs> Fleur, de Lee, Fleur de life in the house. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a Louisiana girl. I'm a Landry originally. Now I'm a Tenite. I uh, got married in October and we live in Colorado Springs. Um, you know, we both have traveled and moved quite a bit because we were both in the military. And we'll tell you a little more about that. But uh, yeah, so got here a few years ago about, well, I'll say a few. It's been like eight years now. <laughs> Can't believe it. Probably the longest time I ever spent anywhere. So here in Colorado Springs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, so the idea behind this podcast was, you know, Veronica and I have really established a great friendship over the past couple of years. And being both Army veterans, we wanted to come together to share the knowledge that we have gleaned, um, you know, just in our adult life through being entrepreneurs. We both have very unique stories. Um, when I describe Veronica to my circle, I'm like, we are yin and yang. Like we think alike. However, the way we show up and the way we respond is a little bit different. So we feel like we would have really great um, information for you, right, B? Absolutely. Yeah, we definitely have two totally different personalities. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because anytime we go to anything, we always room together. We're always together. Um, but I'm definitely like party girl, outspoken, loud, you know, all the things. And you're definitely more reserved and you're a lot nicer. She's nicer than me. Okay. I get y'all get tough love V from me. Okay. She does a lot nicer uh love. Okay. So yeah. Um, but yeah, we're definitely, definitely different. And you know, I respect you so much because you've taught me so much about systems, about consistency, about just the way you show up, the way that you do things, the way that you operate. And, and then I, you know, we both have coaches as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. So like a whole, probably a whole podcast in and of itself with coaches and mentors and everything. But, um, you know, I have a coach who teaches me uh, systems that work well for me because I need, I'm very ADD. So I need things kind of simplified. Whereas, you know, yours are very polished and, you know, it's just completely different, but yet very similar. It's crazy how similar we are. So mm -hmm. I feel like we both bring so much to the table as far as just ways that we operate in our business, ways that we operate in life, because, you know, the way that we operate in life has so much to do with how we operate in business. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and I was going to ask you, you know, um, Tell me about your journey, like, you know, from where you grew up to the military to how you ended up where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I grew up in northern Wisconsin. Um, I joke that I grew up under a rock. Um, I just didn't have a lot of exposure to the outside world. My town is called Butternut. You can look it up, Google it. And we have a total of like 407 people that live in our little town. So we don't even have a stoplight, um, if that oh, tells you anything. Yeah, the village of Butternut. And I, I appreciate being able to grow up like that because um, we didn't have that outside world connection. So I was very sheltered. Um, it was a rude awakening when I enlisted in the military and got to be exposed to the real world and the situations and happenings. Um, and I think it's an intricate part of my story. And it's why I respond the way that I respond, because I am that small town American girl. But I had big dreams and big goals. I remember being in the fifth grade in the military um, came in, you know, as a recruiting, just so that way we could ask questions. And I went home and I told my parents, I'm going to enlist in the military. And I'm the youngest of four girls. And um, I, my grandfather served in the Marine Corps. And that was it. Nobody else served. And when I said this, they were like, I'm pretty sure you're going to go to college, Teresa. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Um, I'm going to enlist in the military. So Fast forward to when I was graduating high school, um, I proceeded to tell them I was going to do this and my mom begged me um, to go to college. So I went to college for a year and a half and I dropped out. I have one of those tragic stories of my um, first year in college, my parents divorced after 30 years of marriage. And, you know, like my whole existence, they were together and that will shake anybody to their core. So I rebelled, you know, rebellious Teresa, and I enlisted in the military. I originally wanted to join the Air Force, but the Air Force recruiters were never in the office. So um, the <laughs> the Army recruiter. No offense, um, Air Force, but we know y'all. We know you. Yeah. We see you. <laughs> Sorry. Like in, in their defense or my defense, I showed up four times, four separate occasions. And finally, the fourth time, the Army recruiter was like, why don't, if you're going to hang out, like, why don't you just come into my office? You can watch TV while you wait for them. And um, that's how he got me. That's how he got me. He hooked me. He had so the TV. <laughs> he had the TV. So he said, uh, Teresa, you know, like, what are you looking for? Because the army has great options. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. He goes, what are you looking for? Anyways, long story short, I um, dropped out of college and enlisted in the army active duty. And I was an intelligence analyst. So I had a top secret um, clearance and I was like, wow, I found important. Um, I did get to do really important things the eight years that I was in. Um, and I'm thankful for that portion. During that time, I actually started my entrepreneurial journey uh, while I was on active duty. I needed something that had a feminine touch to it because I was hanging out with all men. And um, that wasn't all that I wanted to do with my life. So I was introduced to Mary Kay Cosmetics when I was 21 years old. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, I get you know, a discount on my products and I get to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Um, so that was a large you know, season of my life going through Mary Kay and being in the military. So yeah, mm -hmm. and then of course I got married um, I met a man and um, we now have three children. Uh, this year we'll have been married 18 years. I have a 16 year old, a 13 year old and a five year old. So maybe we'll share more about that. She's our um, quote unquote retirement baby uh, because 
when Raymond retired, we felt that we were not done. So, and that's my story. And because your husband also served in the military and he retired from the army. So, yeah, um, so, yeah. yeah, he should so not did. only, yeah, not only have you been a military uh, veteran yourself, you're also a veteran spouse. So you kind of, you understand both roles um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the challenging roles and for those of you, our listeners that, you know, are that were in the military, are in the military or our military spouses, you know, it's such an incredible hat to wear um, that you hold a lot of unique responsibilities that others don't have, you know, people in the civilian community. Um, so I feel like you'll relate to Veronica and I tremendously because, you know, we've lived that life and that lifestyle and we understand, we know what it's like to raise kids all alone, to go through yeah. deployments, to, you know, have to career shop, career hop, because you're only at a specific duty station for a couple of years. And when they find out you're in the military, they're not supposed to, right? They're not supposed to um, like prejudge, but they do. So you're not going to be the one that gets promoted in a lot of instances because they know you're not going to be sticking around. So it's very challenging. So yes, definitely have that part in my story as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I felt that too. Um, so our stories are definitely different. <laughs> Even though we go in a similar route, completely different. So, um, so when I was in high school, this super hot recruiter <laughs> and I was like, you mean I could go hang out with guys like that? <laughs> and I could join. So I joined the National Guard because I believe he was either a reserve or National Guard recruiter. I can't remember. And uh, so I joined the National Guard really just to pay for my college, you know, and to hang out with really cute guys. I mean, like literally that's where my head was. Okay. And I was not the most popular girl in high school. I was not like, I was the trainer on the football team. Okay. I was not a cheerleader. I was, you know, I, I didn't do any of that. So I was the trainer for the football team, which got me like really zero guy attention. Cause it was more like I was their little sister. They just shove around when, when they didn't want the water girl in there, you know, because that's kind of what they thought I was as the water girl. I'm like, I'm not the water girl. I can take care of those ankles too. And I can those ankles anyway but uh you know <laughs> so, I'm just learning all sorts of things I did oh know yeah girl learning. yeah girl <laughs> now my friend Linda went on and did it like she has her PhD and all that stuff and she did great but I just you know I just kind of did it um just to learn some things but you know I was kind of interested in the medical world um uh, both of my grandparents have been, um, my grandfather was an army doctor. My grandmother was an army nurse. They met in World War II, you know, kind of a fun love story. Um, had to go away real quick for a weekend and get married so that they could still be, so they could have their relationship, one of those things, because she was his ward nurse. <laughs> really? Scandalous. Yeah. But um, anyway, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then my mother's father also served and then her brother served. He's a retired colonel, a uh, medical doctor as well. So my grandfather was a doctor. Oh. My grandmother was a nurse, you know, so all this medical going on. So like I was supposed to be a trauma surgeon. Okay. But then I joined the national guard, become a combat medic. And it, then desert storm kicked off, like right as I got out of basic training and all that wow. desert storm kicks off. And I'm right. like, well, I, I want to go, I want to go with my unit. I want to deploy. And they're like, uh, no, you're not trained yet. You, and I said, look, I'll guard the weapons. I mean, I don't need to be trained. They're like, no, Veronica, 
And I said, okay, then can you just send me to school so I can get trained so I can go? And they're like, okay, fine. So they sent me on to AIT, which is your training for the medics, right. you know? And then when I got finished with that, I went back and I was like, I don't want to be in the National Guard anymore. I want to go active duty. So I went active duty, went to Korea. All I did was drink soju and party and oh. ended up, you know, uh. ended up meeting my first husband. I always say the man that you're not supposed to marry is the man that you meet while you're dancing on a table in Korea, singing Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Okay, so anyway, moving on. Um, married him anyway, pregnant, married, all the things, and had three kids. <laughs> and it ended up just being a really horrible situation for me. I mean, I went through a lot of domestic violence, um, really bad situation. You know, I can joke about it now, but man, that was some, those yeah. were some hard days. And my mm-hmm. kids went through so much. And if I could ever change anything, is that I wouldn't have stayed. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm here for it. If anybody, you know, has been through that domestic violence, like I totally, I can totally help, you know, resonate with that. I mean, you know, and, and I've got some, hopefully some good guidance now on how to not stay with that, you know? Right. Um, but anyway, 13 years later, finally got out of it. And then I had gotten out of the military pretty quick because I kept getting hurt from stress fractures and stuff. So, um, went back to college during that first marriage, um, went into broadcast news and then decided, look, I got to go do something when this desert, uh, when Iraqi freedom kicked off 20 years ago. Can you believe this? I I am not that old. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So so in 2004 and five, I went and worked as a contract employee in Mosul, Iraq, um, in the Northern sites there and did that, um, for a year and then came back and, uh, and have since, uh, you know, gone, went back into the news business and then public affairs with the army and back and forth a little bit. And uh, now I work for the federal government still full time in addition to my uh, Mary Kay business. But, you know, I uh, battle some lung diseases that I got from being deployed. I have that that whole, you know, deployment related lung disease from the burn pits and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Actually, won the first case in U.S. history linking the burn pits to lung disease. Right. So I've been quite the advocate with that. And what, what I will tell you is that owning my business has given me so much freedom to not worry about things. You know, as far as um, when I first got sick with this and I had to take leave without pay as a single mom there, you know, with three kids at the time, um, mm-hmm. having to take leave without pay. How do you pay rent? How do you like, what do you do? Right. You know, like I didn't get like a lot of money when I got divorced. I got none. I got two fifty a month in child support for three children. Okay. And that's only what? when he paid it. All right. Yeah. So. Um. <laughs> So I got to do all that on my own. All right. And, um, you know, did have a second marriage, didn't quite work, Um, but he was a good guy. just didn't work. It was too soon. And then now recently got married in October to the man of my dreams, the guy I'm supposed to be with. We've been together seven years. I mean, you've met him. Uh, Chris Mm -hmm. is amazing and um, exactly who I'm supposed to be with. And so anybody out there that is uh, still looking for the Mr. Right and you're maybe, oh, oh, 50, (laughs) that would be me. And yeah. He's there. He's there. Right. Okay. Just, just stay, just stay patient Um, and work on yourself. Work on yourself first. That's right. That's been such a big journey, you know, for me is working on myself. And I think this business has helped so much with that too. Well, Um, and that's that's such an important conversation that I think, you know, is one of our goals with this podcast is to really just like, let's talk about this. What does that look like when someone says you work on yourself, but how do you apply that? What should you be doing? Um, what are the resources? What does that look like? Right. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're so blessed 
um, being entrepreneurs and being in this business uh, to have constant resources of people, but I don't know that others really know. So we're so excited to share all of that and the confidence that you have accumulated out of, you know, I don't know, what did they say? Out of the ashes, we will rise. Um, there's a lot of burning moments in your life where there's piles of ashes that you have literally, like even in your lungs, right? <laughs> I mean, for real, right. <laughs> literally. Yeah. You rose, rose above it and you just continue on and you're passionate. Veronica, I love this about you. You're passionate about helping women um, experience and discover that for themselves. And that's what I admire the most about you. And when you, uh, when we started talking about developing this podcast, there's nobody else I'd rather do it with because, you know, you, you have such a heart for women. Um, so thank you for thank that. You. I love you. And you yeah. do as well. Love you, girlfriend. I mean, we're, <laughs> we, we get each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. If we ever found ourselves without men, for whatever reason, we'd probably be golden girls one day, you know, hey, having the right. golden right. girls house. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, but hopefully they stay right where they are and they're good for, you know, healthy for longer than we are. So um, yeah. anyway, but, yeah. um, you know, I, but I will say um, it's, you know, I think you and I both share this passion to make sure that women have the ability to be independent. Okay. I will tell you right now, like my husband and I, we keep everything financially separate. You aren't like that at all. See, y'all are totally different, but we keep everything separate. We do not go through each other to talk about finances or anything like that. Like we have our own, we almost have like a business side to our relationship. And then we have our relationship. Interesting. And that partially comes from trauma from both of us from previous relationships. See, we both were traumatized financially um, by our ex-partners or spouses and um, and, and Mm. much more. I mean, it happens to men too. So there's a lot of things that happen to men as well. And I'm not saying that Mm -hmm. this is just happening to women because what I know my husband went through is the mental abuse. And after, you know, returning from five combat tours, you know, as a combat engineer, he's retired army as well. I mean, we know that that happens. And, but what I do want to say is that our passion is that women will never be stuck in a situation that they can't get out of because they fear financially what would happen. And I will never, I just do not ever want to see anybody else Mm -hmm. feel like they have to stay in that situation. Um, even though what's really weird is like my children's father did not make that much money but I still felt like I had to be married to him right. to make it. And right. You know? Yeah. So. It's like a whole mindset, right? Yeah. You, that, that feeling of being stuck and freedom and flexibility. When we say those two words, freedom and flexibility means something different to you because you've experienced that. Whereas my experience, you know, we've been happily married for, you know, coming up on 18 years. I've not been married before. Um, you know, he's my one and only, and I don't have that type of trauma in my background or, um, any type of, you know, physical, mental, emotional abuse. Now deployments were tough. Um, you come back different, you know, I've done two myself to Iraq, both of them, and, um, you, you change as a person. So when you are dealing with a spouse that is coming back, that 
yes, you may have spoken in the last year, but you haven't really experienced what they've experienced. And then likewise, when they come home, I remember this one deployment, um, we had moved into a new house right before he deployed. And, you know, when you unpack your boxes, you don't really know the system of your house yet, right? So I, I remember changing the, the cups in the cabinet because they just, it didn't make sense where they were. I needed to move them closer to the sink. So that way, when I wanted a glass of water, it was right there, right? Well, when he came home from deployment and he went to the cabinet that they started off in, because that's how he remembered it, he, it, it infuriated him. He slammed the cabinet door, and this is so out of character. And he said, where are the cups? And I looked at him, I'm like, are you okay? He goes, no, everything is different. And then he stomped out the door, slammed the door and squealed his tires out the driveway. And I'm like, who are you? Like, who are you? And what did you do with my husband? And that's just an example of, you know, this PTSD that, that veterans soldiers can experience. Right. And then we as spouses were like, how do I deal with this? So freedom and flexibility, it just, it looks different to everybody. And And we both have our own, we both have our own deployment traumas too, that we deal with. And so do they. So they, you know, which I find for me, I always said I had to be with someone who was probably army or Marines that could understand what I've been through, or maybe like, you know, first responder or something like that, that has seen, you know, and I'm not saying other branches don't see it either. I mean, surely they do, but you know, just that's kind of who I felt like had to, if I'm going to share my life with someone, they have to have have some form of empathy for what I've been through mm-hmm. um, because I, we, I had some pretty right traumatic incidents where I was and I'm sure as well you did. And, um, and then now Chris and I, we, we came into our relationship after all of that. Right. So we both came in, whereas I had this complete empathy for him with, you know, some of the things that he deals with, with traumatic brain injury and that kind of thing. Um, and he had this similar for me, um, and we've done some modifications even in our home, you know, uh, even down to, I remember when we first uh, got the house together and I don't know, you know, like the little drawer pulls and they make that yeah. dinging noise, you know, to him that had a ricochet sound and it, it just startled him a little bit. So I took these little felt, little circular felt pads that stickers, you know, and just stuck underneath there so that when it, the little door, the little what's it yeah, called drawer the handle thing yeah yeah it would hit the felt pad instead and so he wouldn't right. hear it and so little like things right. like that that you can do for each other just think outside the box just like we do in our business you know mm-hmm. we think outside the box to be different to market our business to be attractive to whoever we want to attract into our business and you know you can do the same thing and use those same skills in your home right. that's what i love about what we do especially with yeah. our business we're all about learning how to work with people, how to build relationships. And then we can even take that into our personal relationships and make them yes. so much better. Oh, definitely. I could not agree more. Um, the abundance mindset that we develop also through business. Um, I, I know I wasn't raised in an abundance mindset type home. Like you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Like that's how, that's how I was raised on, you know, um, what did you say? Borrow, beg, beg from, no, borrow from Peter to pay Paul. Have you heard that saying? Yeah. Right. So 
like to get out of that right out of high school, it was very important because I just seen this vision of what my life could become. And now at 40 years old, my husband and I have 26 streams of income and it's part of my unique value proposition. You know, I'm passionate about helping women and men figure out how to create those multiple streams of income for their family. Because if you are in a world where you think one job is enough, it is not one. Well, let me rephrase this. One stream of income is enough. It's not, you know, that's, that's a very, in my opinion, and I may be like bold in saying this, but that's a very poverty mentality when there's so many different things out there in this world of abundance that you can try your hand in. Um, so yeah, that's, it's only smart, Teresa, it's only smart. And I'm living proof of that because when I ended up in the ICU with my lungs collapsing, when this whole thing first started, I went on leave without pay because I only had one stream of income and how I had to borrow money to pay my rent. Right. Okay. That's embarrassing. Yeah. That is embarrassing. Let's talk about this because I think this, this will be a really great like value added point for people in terms of multiple streams of income. So like explain to them what you mean by this, because I know what you mean, because we've had this conversation, but what do you mean you went on leave without pay? Don't you work for the the government? Yeah, I work for the government, but I didn't have any leave saved up because I was still new in that job. So even though I've worked for the government before and you bring in all that time, you still don't build up leave any faster. I mean, you get more days per pay period, but I didn't have enough pay periods to really have any leave. You know what I mean? So, I mean, think about most people that work at a job. You don't get you don't get vacation until you've right. been there a full year. Right. So in your first year, if you get sick, right. break your leg, whatever, like what happens? Right. So. Right. Um, I was in the ICU for four days and then in the, well, and then two more days in the hospital. And then, then on oxygen having to recover. So I was probably out a good two weeks solid and having to commute at least a few days a week. I mean, it was awful. I could not heal because I had to force myself to get back into the office on that commute on a van pool, you know, with all these other people. I mean, to where the next time that my lungs collapsed, I was in the van with the van pool in right. traffic thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to have to call a helicopter to come get me because we were stuck in traffic, but right. we made it back in time. You know, they took an, a different route, whatever. I mean, like, these are the things my life, literally I had to put my, my life at risk to even work, but I had to, in order to survive. survive. And so, because only one stream of income and I didn't have any vacation or sick leave built up. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about multiple streams of income, like our businesses that we have, the, the one business that we're both in has up to 20 streams of income within the one business. We're both at 16 right now, right? At least. Right. Yeah. Um, and then now you were in real estate before, so you still have some of that and you've got some investments in real estate. That's yeah. another thing that I'm looking at doing in the future too. We've talked about, uh, yeah. but tell everybody a little bit about your um, real estate journey and how, you know, that segued into back to the Mary Kay being a full-time thing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a great chapter of my life. So um, when Raymond decided to retire from the military, he had served 23 years total um, with his reserve time and then active duty time. Um, We were actually stationed in Italy at the time. So in Vincenza, Italy. So 
uh, when he said, I'm dropping my retirement packet, I immediately thought, oh, well, okay, cool. Like, I thought we were staying in until 30. Um, didn't know this was happening, but was somewhat excited at the same time. And I was going back to school at the time, because typically when you're stationed overseas, um, there's really not a lot for military spouses to do. So during that time, I'm like, I might as well pursue a degree. And I ended up graduating with a degree in marketing. And um, it was at an event, it was like a career fair event that I kicked and screamed I did not want to go to, because um, I really just wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I didn't want to... I, you know, the people that were at this career fair, it was like your car salesmen, your um, pharmaceutical sales, um, insurance sales. And I'm like, please don't make me go to this. I don't want to do any of this. And one of my professors, she's so sweet. Um, Dr. Matthews was her name. She goes, please, Teresa, we just need good quality people with great resumes there. Um, otherwise, we won't get these employers to come back. And I'm like, you're using me for my resume. Fine, I will come. And really, that was where like all the the cards aligned and you know God was in that moment for me I remember showing up and there was somebody that had a booth that was not on the registration list and the company was called cry like and here in the mid-south um Harold cry and Dick like are their names they um are business partners and they developed a real estate firm and this particular gentleman was sitting at this table and I walked up to him. I'm like, what is it cry like? You know, I was so intrigued. <laughs> and, and he was like, it's a real estate company. And I was like, oh, I literally did this. I'm like, oh, real estate. And he goes, what is that face? And it opened up a tremendous conversation of just authenticity, right? I was authentically me and he was authentically him. I'm like, well, tell me more about that. And I asked a lot of questions and he looked at me and he said, I think you would be really great at this. And I am very much an audacious talker. And I was like, I'll be good at anything I do. Um, and I, I'm just, I love that. Yeah. And he goes, and that is why I want you on my team. And I was like, I'll think about it. And I went home and I spoke to my husband about it. And I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I met this guy. He wants to interview me tomorrow, but he asked for you to come along. He goes, why do I need to be there? I'm like, I have no idea. Right. Because in my relationship with Ray, he is a part of our my decisions. Um, I like his feedback, but if unless he's absolutely adamant about me not doing something, nah, Teresa's going to do her own thing, right? I'm going to follow my heart because that's just who I am. And I think he, we have enough built trust between us that he knows I'm not going to go off the rails and do something crazy. So we showed up to this interview and long story short, I decided to give real estate a shot. Um, my first year uh, you know, the national average that a real estate agent sells is six homes a year. Um, my first year in the in the first nine months, because I started the end of March, I sold 12, then 19, then 26, then 36, then 48. And it's really just continued to build and climb. And being an entrepreneur in the in the housing market is very interesting. I'll tell more about it on other podcasts, um, but I learned my way um, through asking questions and really establishing connections and building trust with people. And I think that is probably one of the core principles that any entrepreneur needs to know um, and develop the skill set of connecting with humans. Yeah. You know, what does that look like? So, yeah, I. Um, have a very large real estate portfolio and business. It's afforded us the opportunity to have um, 
uh, 11 doors of rental real estate. So I have a property management uh, company that helps assist me in that. Um, we have 10 short-term rentals and one, or 10 long-term rentals and one short-term rental. So we've got all these different streams of income. And, and that's really why I'm passionate about teaching. You know, let me teach you about some of these concepts that maybe you don't know where else to find, but we're going to deliver some healthy content to you over the next couple of yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. And, and to kind of add to what you were saying, you know, we're both about let your main thing be your main thing. Okay. Yeah. And I think yeah. for a long time, real estate was your main thing. And now you've segued into Mary Kay being your main thing for different reasons. And we can talk about that whenever mm -hmm. you want. Um, but that it's like, it's like your main thing becomes the cash cow for the other things that you want to have the other, yeah. uh, investments. Right. So, yeah. you yeah. know, they say, what is it? The average millionaire like has seven streams of income or whatever. Okay. Well go make your first million with your one stream right? <laughs> and then start to invest because that's probably how it really works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to be very clear. Like I am not of the mindset that um, you should only be doing one thing that, that is, I will never be that person. Um, I love the concept of let your main thing be your main thing and let it fund what you, what you're passionate about, what you dream about. What do you, when you lay your head on your pillow, what do you just wish that you could do? Well, why are you not doing it? Right? So we're here to help you strategically think through that, right? Because I'm an out-of-the-box strategic thinker. And like, let's brainstorm how you can have that. How do you get a couple streams of income, you know, that are like a side hustle for you to fund what you're dreaming about, what you're passionate about, right? Absolutely. And one with residual income, you know, anybody can go out and DoorDash and yes. Uber and all that stuff, but it, you got to show up and think yeah. about, again, let's go back to when I was sick, right? You can't show up when you're yeah. sick or when you're in the hospital. So you need something that's going to pay you when those bad times come, because they're coming. I'm not here to be a doom and gloomer. I'm just saying something happened. Things happen. I mean, you get the kid, you know, right. I mean, you've got, you know, things happen, right? Um, yeah. I mean, you just never know. I mean, like your husband right. went on, um, he was on a jury for like how many months? Oh my gosh. Oh, you guys. Yeah. He got called for federal jury duty. Um, in all summer long, it was a four month murder trial. It was crazy. So bless his employer, you know, people that get called on these really long ones, like you don't have to report to work. You just report to the courthouse every day um, or whatever their, you know, the schedule is. Yeah. For four months, his job had to pay him, but just his base salary, like he can make like upwards of six grand in just bonuses. So like we were living on peanuts. I'm not going to lie. Like if we had to survive off of like his base salary, oh my stars, that would not have happened. Um, yeah. Like literally we took a 16, that, no, what is, what is six times four? $24,000 um, pay cut for him to do jury duty for those four months, right? Think about your life, your lifestyle. Like, what would you do with a $24,000 a year pay cut? Craziness. But because we've made good choices, we've got these different multiple streams of income. Like, it was just a blip on the radar. Truly yeah. just a blip. So I, I just want to 
uh, develop the idea really quick and make sure that our listeners understand what do you mean by residual income? Can you explain mm. that a little bit deeper? Yeah, it's basically when you get paid and you're not having to show up. So you build it now and then you've got money that's coming in later without you having to do the actual tactile work, right? So right. Um, so like when we sell a product and it goes down the drain because they put it on their face and it washes down the drain and they reorder off of our website or however they do that or directly from us, come get it off our shelf. That's residual income because we're not really having to show up to get paid. Also, as we build a team, which is my favorite part about it, because we really get to change lives doing that. Um, as we build a team, we get paid by our company based on what our team is doing, not off of our team. They yeah. still get the same commission that we get. That's what makes what we right. do a little bit different than the other ones out there in the world. But um, but they still get their commission on their sales. But we get a portion right. from Mary Kay's part of the dollar, right? From our, right. our main headquarters, our main company's part of the dollar, they send back to us um, for coaching and teaching and mentoring them, right? That's what we get paid. So we're getting paid. So for instance, when I was um, a new director and I just been a director, I don't know, less than a year. I mean, it was maybe six months. It was six months. Um, and I just had my first offspring director. So really it was more like three months. Um, and I ended up going down for her director debut in New Orleans and I got really sick. I ended up with some internal bleeding. Well, it was a lot of internal bleeding. Let's just be honest. I ended up going code blue three times. Uh, I had to have 13 units of blood. I uh, was in the hospital in Oshner mm -hmm. in New Orleans. And I didn't have to worry about the possibility of going on leave without pay at my regular job at my J-O-B with the government right. because I knew I had my Mary Kay residual income because I was yeah. a new director and I had built this when it was good, you know, and all of that going yeah. on. And so I didn't have to worry about that. Um, and then luckily I didn't either have to go on leave without pay, but they found a way to make it work for advanced sick leave, but, um, but not everybody has that option. So the cool thing is because I've worked hard when I did, and I built a strong team and even had offspring directors in the making and, mm -hmm. and moving. Right. Um, it was seamless. In fact, it was probably one of my best months ever. It was crazy. And mm -hmm. because we have a very unique sisterhood in what we do, right. um, Teresa, you know, thank you so much. You were a brand new director too. Uh, well, you were a little bit um, older than I was, <laughs> but, uh, but you jumped in and helped take care of my people. And so did yeah. our other Mary Kay friends and sister directors who never get paid a penny. Like Teresa and I work together, but we don't get paid for what we do for each other. We just do this yeah. together. because we, we love each other. We, we like taking care of each other's, you know, uh, teams and helping out and, right. and collaboration. It's all about collaboration, no matter what Definitely. business you're in. I collaborate with women in business all the time, whether they're in my company or not. So um, anyway, but you know, that's just how it works with what we do. And, and that way, when the bad times do come and you have to be down, maybe you have a, a death in the family, or maybe, um, you know, you want to go take a nice vacation, mm -hmm. go turn off your phone you know? Yeah. And go. Yeah. I will say the residual um, money aspect of Mary Kay, it excites me. It like, it keeps me up at night because like it, the sky is the limit. Like our number one person just retired, um, not this past January, but the January before. So it's been just over a year and she was the highest paid person in Mary Kay. Um, and she was making upwards of $200,000 a month. And I, I mean, that may sound like a large number to you. That may not sound like a large number. Veronica and I 
are going to blow that out of the water. Like our goal is for that to be the norm, right? To make $200,000 a month, like why not? But a lot of people look at um, direct selling or the direct selling industry as, um, you know, maybe less than, or why would I want to do that? Or I'm not the sales type, or they've got all of these different objections that they've told themselves in their head, but you cannot deny that the residual aspect of the income that we earn is pretty spot on. It's so beneficial. Last March, we were finishing our pink Cadillac and we had already planned a trip to the beach, to Florida. And I, I earned a pink Cadillac at the beach in Florida. Why? Because I have my own business, because I'm an entrepreneur and I can literally work it anywhere in the U.S. And if I choose to go globally, I can do that too. So that was you know, my, my paycheck that month was over $15,000 and that's not counting the sales. I sold over 13,000 that month. Right. I, I mean, we, it's crazy. just, it is crazy. So when we say what you can do, what, what you can do when you're focused, you know, and you can have yeah. it all, maybe yes. not all at the same time as you're yeah. getting started, but you put in the dues, Teresa, to yeah. be able to take that vacation and still wrap up a Cadillac and still sell $13,000 in a month and still have your largest check ever. I mean, you are the one who set that up by working hard before you right. earned that, you right. earn that. And that's what we yeah. do. That's what we do. That's you know, I'm going do. on a cruise next month at the end of the month, like everybody in sales knows that's like the dumbest time to go on a trip, but I got to get it done because it's got to be timed out for some other things that are happening. And it's one yeah. of those that got postponed during COVID and all that stuff. Right. So, you know, so it's finally, we just got to do it before we lose the money. And me and my friend Cora are going to go. And then, um, you know, my husband returns back. He, he works a lot, uh, you know, different places across around the world. And so he'll be back uh, in June. Right. So we got to make sure that I got, you know, all these things off the plate. So he is my only focus when he's home, you know, for the time That's that he's exciting. home. Yeah. I love it. But, oh my gosh. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground for our first show. What do you think? I know. I know. I feel like they oh know us a little bit better. Yeah. They know what we're all about. And um, I'm excited. This Absolutely. And Hey, if anybody has like specific questions that you want to ask, I mean, from the military background, from the military spouse perspective, from the business owner perspective, from the multiple streams of income perspective to the what are good investments, what are good systems? I mean, any of that stuff, that's what we're going to be dropping these knowledge bombs as we're going. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're here to do. So we're here to share information. We're sharing it for free because we just believe in doing that. We want to help people. We want to um, empower women and, and other yeah. business owners. I mean, men and women. I mean, I think that we're, we're both, we both, um, I think we've both really taken a nice dive into our feminine energy. However, yeah. we both have a lot of masculine energy True. with how we run our businesses. So, um, we know when to turn that off, especially when we want our men around, right? <laughs> Cause we don't want to repel them. Uh, but, um, and that's even another thing that we can talk about one day, the difference between masculine energy and feminine energy and, Right. You know, how to flow between the two. I can tell you, I lived in masculine energy for most of my adulthood because of being a single parent and right. it repelled a lot of people. Right. And a lot of men, especially. So right. it didn't lend to good relationships. Um, but all of that stuff, you know, is all of those things in life that we that we've developed um, like down to our core values. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about that, like what makes a daily win? I mean, there's so much more about us that so makes much. us winners daily, right? Yeah. 
And um, we're going to, we're going to launch into all that. Gosh, I wish we could do it all in one day, but we can't. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank y'all for listening. And I I'm looking forward to our next one. Absolutely. This is Boots to Biz, your tactical lessons for today's entrepreneurs. And we will see you next week, same time, same place. And we have our podcast as well. So if you want to just listen while you're driving, we have our podcast also Boots to Biz. uh, And we'll have that website out for everybody to see here on the YouTube channel. So see y'all soon. Thank you. All right. Bye. All righty. Bye-bye.